in many movies, there's a twist. As the true nature of someone is unmasked, and we can see them as they really are. Well, in our next section in, the, in John's Gospel, that describes the star of the unmasking of Judas. His true nature and actions begin to be revealed here. And just like in those movies, many of the people there that night had no idea what Judas had been hiding. They were completely fooled by him. But the major difference here is, this wasn't a shock to, Judas, to Jesus. He knew exactly who and what Judas was. But probably even more surprising is that even although he knew, he didn't treat Judas with coldness or hostility. Instead, he again reached out to him in love. In love for the unlovable. So we're going to read from John chapter 13. Uh, We started off this chapter last week, so we're breaking in at verse 18, and we're going to read down to verse 30. So John chapter 13 and verse 18. Jesus is speaking here. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and asked, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. No one else knew that Judas was going to betray Jesus that night. They had no clue as to Judas's true nature and plan. When Jesus saw that one of them would, or said that one of them would betray him, his disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. And even when Judas left the meal and went out, still nobody had any idea what was going on. 
Verse 29, since Judas had charge of the money, some thought that Judas was, or Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. What this demonstrates is that on the outside, Judas looked the part. He looked like a believer. He acted like a disciple. He talked to talk, and from what they could see, he also walked the walk. It is possible to deceive everyone else around us that we are a true follower of Jesus, that we are a Christian. It's possible even to deceive ourselves. At the end of the of his sermon on the mount, Jesus talked about those who, at the end of time, will say to Jesus, "Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast drive out demons and perform many miracles?" But Jesus' reply to them will be this: "I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers." These people looked the part. They claimed that Jesus was their Lord. They ministered in Jesus' name. They even performed amazing miracles. But they never entered into a saving faith relationship with Jesus. That was like Judas. To everyone else, He looked just as committed, just as involved, just as faithful as the rest of the twelve. He deceived everyone. But he didn't deceive Jesus. Jesus always knew what he would do. Last week when we were thinking about Jesus washing the disciples' feet... We read this in verse 11 of chapter 13. He knew who was going to betray him and that's why he said not everyone was clean. Jesus knew that one of his disciples had not been cleaned through faith. One of them was still lost in the sin. One of them was still guilty before God. One of them had refused to believe in him. As John wrote in John chapter 6, Jesus had known from the beginning Which of them did not believe and who would betray him? So that's why after encouraging them to follow his example in loving service, he said, I'm not referring to all of you. I know whom I've chosen. Jesus chose Judas to be one of the twelve, fully knowing him and fully knowing what he was going to to do. None of this was a surprise to Jesus. Jesus knew about Judas right from the start. So Judas's betrayal was not a shock. Jesus was not tricked into choosing, into choosing Judas. Instead, Jesus says here that this was God's plan. Look at verse 18. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. This is a quotation from Psalm 41. 
In this psalm, David is probably referring to a guy called Ahithophel. He'd been a a counsellor and an, an advisor in David's court. A trusted friend and someone that David fellowshiped with. But when David's son Absalom conspired against his dad and stole his throne, this guy Ahithophel, he sided with Absalom and deserted David. David's trusted friend betrayed him just when he needed him the most. But Jesus recognised that in this psalm there was a greater significance. Yes, its immediate meaning was found in David's life, but its ultimate meaning, its ultimate fulfilment was found in Jesus' life. So Judas's actions here didn't upset God's plan. Instead, Judas's actions fulfilled God's plan. We'll see this truth repeated later on in in John's Gospel, in Jesus' prayer, when he said about his disciples, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. So that the scripture would be fulfilled. So Judas's actions here actually were in fulfilment of what the Bible had said before. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that Judas didn't have a choice in what was happening. Yes, this was God's plan. This was even the work of the devil in Judas's life. But Judas, he chose to betray Jesus. And he did it for selfish reasons. He went to the chief priest. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, tells us he went to the chief priest and he asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? He was working out what he would get out of betraying the one that he called Lord. And I don't think we would see this as a one-off incident in Judas' life. It just wasn't suddenly that Judas decided to betray Jesus. This was was the fruit of something that was always going on in Judas' life. Do you remember when Mary anointed Jesus with that incredibly expensive perfume? Remember we looked at that in John chapter chapter 12? Judas criticised this saying it should have been sold and the money should have been given to the poor. But John went on to say he did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas was a thief. He was controlled by self-interest. And even was controlled by that, even when it meant that other people suffered. He was willing to grab stuff for himself, even if it hurt other people. So betraying Jesus wasn't a one-off event in Judas' life. Rather, it was the fruit of the sinful nature and self-centered attitude that he'd nurtured and allowed to grow in his life. 
So Judas, he wasn't the fall guy. He wasn't a puppet in this. He was doing what he wanted. But through this, God was accomplishing his plan. Through Judas's sinful actions and attitudes, God was fulfilling his plan. His plan of salvation. It reminds me about what Joseph recognised when his brothers betrayed him. Remember this verse, very famous verse in Genesis chapter 15, 20. G- G- Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what has now been done, the saving of many lives. Joseph's brothers were just doing it out of their own self-interest. But through that, God's plan was being accomplished. And Jesus, he knew all the details of what was going to happen here. Before it all happened. But he knew it because he is God. This is another demonstration in John's Gospel of the deity of Christ. Look at verse 19. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. I'm telling you this before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am He. Or in the original Greek, that I am. Because this is another of these seven I am statements that we've seen throughout John's Gospel. Here again, Jesus is calling us to believe that he is the great I am. The eternal, self-existent one. And he demonstrated it here through his intimate knowledge of Judas' heart and intentions. He wasn't deceived like the rest of the disciples. Because although man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. Everybody else can only see what's on the outside. But God is not limited like you and I. Jesus is not limited like you and I. He's not left second guessing with people. He's not trying to deduce their motives. He's not trying to read between the lines of what they say or write. He is the God who knows our hearts. He sees what to everybody else is unseen. Jesus sees us as we really are. So Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. He knew that this was to fulfill scripture and to accomplish God's plan. He wasn't shocked or surprised. But did you notice how it still impacted him? Verse 21. After he'd said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. This means he was disturbed. Emotionally, he was in turmoil. And this isn't the first time that we've seen Jesus like this in his gospel. Maybe you remember how this is how Jesus responded when when he saw Mary weeping at the tomb. Of our brother. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then this is how he felt as he declared that the time of his death had now come. Verse 12 
chapter 12, verse 27. Now my heart is troubled. Jesus here is emotionally authentic and real. He didn't suppress or hide his feelings. Instead, he felt that deep pain and anguish over Judas' betrayal of his love and friendship. It hurt him. And I think that's amazing to recognise. And that's so encouraging for us this morning. Jesus is the great I am. He's the ever-living one. The self-existent one. He is the one who created everything that we see and holds it together with his power. He is high and he is lifted up. And yet, he is not isolated from our struggles. He is not removed from our suffering. He understands how it feels to be rejected or to be betrayed or to be discarded. He knows what it is to be troubled. He knows what it is to be overwhelmed with sorrow. And so he can come alongside us and he can comfort us because he knows what we're going through. Listen to how the writer of the book of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews chapter 4. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus knows what we're going through. He understands our weaknesses. He sympathizes with us. He wants to come alongside us and he wants us to help us through them if we allow him into our struggles. But why was Jesus so troubled about Judas' betrayal if we always knew that it was going to happen? Well, it was because he loved Judas. And he made it crystal clear here again. Nobody had any idea who that betrayer was. Peter, uh, Judas had hid it really, really well. So Peter, who wasn't shy about speaking out, he asked John to ask Jesus who it was. That was because John was closer to Jesus at the table than Peter was. So John leaned back, because they were reclining at the table. We need to get a dispense the idea that they were sitting with their chairs at the table. They were leaning probably on their left elbow at this table. So John leaned back against Jesus and he asked, Lord, who is it? And instead of Jesus just directly answering the question, he said this, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Now for somebody, a host, to dip a piece of bread in the common bowl and hand it to somebody at that meal was a great honour for the person who received it. 
It was a public expression of love and friendship. So when Jesus dipped that bread in that dish and he gave it to Judas, he was not only demonstrating that it was Judas who was the betrayer to John, but he was also demonstrating to Judas that he was loved. Now when we are hurt, when we have been rejected, when we are betrayed, very quickly our hurt can turn into anger or resentment or hatred. And I think in some senses it's a coping mechanism. It feels less painful for us to be angry than it is for us to stay hurt. And so in times of great heart, we can, even if we never even act upon it, our minds can just be overwhelmed with, with thoughts and feelings of, of retaliation and revenge. We can kind of imagine what we would say to that person if we met them again, or if we had the opportunity, or how we would get back at them, or, or we can imagine ourselves standing up to them and telling them exactly how we feel. So we, we try and go from heart into anger. Because it makes it easier for us. But here, Jesus stayed in the heart. He refused to ease his pain by hardening his heart towards Judas. Instead, he again reached out in love and grace. Even at this late stage. In that moment, he was doing what he taught in the Sermon on the Mount. When he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that is the most amazing news for us this morning. Because in this passage, I don't know where you see yourself, but I think we are most like Judas. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul said, all of us All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. All of us have turned away from God. Each of us have gone our own way, seeking to fulfill our own self-centered ideas and desires. We've all betrayed our Creator God in rejecting Him for idols of greed or lust or pride. We all deserve nothing but judgment and condemnation. And yet even in our sin, Christ loved us and reached out to us in grace. Ephesians goes on to say, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So Jesus was willing to keep loving Judas, even although it cost him everything. He knew that Judas was leaving there to arrange for his arrest. He knew that it would lead to the horror of the cross. And yet he didn't command Judas to stay. 
Neither did he ask Peter and the rest to bar the doors and, and jump on Judas and, and hold them there. Instead, as, Judas had ta- as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. It's an interesting little comment, isn't it, by from John? It was night. Judas left that night. He left the light of the world. And he headed out into the dark of the night, but also into the darkness of sin. And because of his rejection of Jesus, Judas would forever stay in the dark. It's such a terrible tragedy, isn't it? That Judas, he was so close to the Savior of the world. And yet he was never saved. He was an eyewitness of the majesty of the Son of God. And yet he never put his faith in him. And it's a solemn warning for each one of us. So that we don't fall into that same trap. I pray that none of us would make that same wrong choice. To be so close to Jesus. And yet so far from him. But Jesus, he made a different choice that night. After Judas, after he gave Judas this piece of bread, Jesus said to him, what you're about to do, do quickly. In 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 saying that, he showed that he was in control of this. This wasn't somebody getting the better of him. Jesus was in control. Jesus didn't go to the cross because Judas betrayed him or tricked him. He didn't go to the cross because the Pharisees defeated him. He didn't go to the cross because the Romans overpowered him. Instead, Jesus went to the cross because he was fully committed to fulfilling his Father's will. And because he loved us and chose to lay down his life for us. This is what we read in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down in my own accord. And so although this passage in many ways is deeply sad, it's tragic in a sense. It's also deeply encouraging to us this morning. It tells us that we can trust that Jesus knows us. He knows what we're really like. He knows our weaknesses and our limitations, our sin and our selfishness. He knows how vulnerable we can be, unloving we can be in our thoughts and our attitudes. And he is troubled by that. It impacts deeply his heart that we as creatures have rejected him. He cares that we've walked away from him. And we've messed up our lives. And yet this passage declares again that Jesus loves us. As unlovable, as messed up as we are, Jesus values us. He treasures us. And he chose the cross. Even although he was suffering the consequences of our rebellion, 
Jesus chose to die for us. And so if we put our faith and trust in Him, if we trust in Him and accept Him as the Savior of our lives, then He will forgive us and bring us into eternal life. But it also means for us who have trusted in Jesus, it means that we never need to wear a mask again. We never need to put on a show for anybody again. We do not need to try and hide our faults and our failings, afraid that Jesus, if he really found out what we were really like, would turn away in fear or turn us away in rejection. Instead, we can just be honest and open with him. Because although he knows us as we really are, he loved us. And he gave himself for us. So today, let's take off those masks. Let's be honest. Let's be open with Jesus. The one who loves the unlovable. And the one who went to the cross for sinners like you and me.